Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. All right. Season one, episode seven, Angel. <laughs> Steph, do you like this episode? I, you know, I, you might have guessed it, but I love this episode it's my favorite episode of season one always has been and as i was re-watching it this time i was not disappointed i you know like it's been a couple years since i watched it and uh i was nervous for many reasons we've talked about before like you know how are we gonna dissect these characters and these storylines in Mm -hmm. our present climate in the way that we think now and uh i wasn't disappointed my inner teenager is still very much alive inside of me (laughs) yay i like it did you enjoy the rewatch yeah i angel's one of those episodes where obviously like i remember the big notes the big reveal and everything and the ending like i knew those details but the emotional content of the episode wasn't really something i remembered So, and there were lots of good little moments, like with Buffy's mom, where Mm. uh, I've written down like some quotes of things she says. So it was nice. It was nice to rewatch it and rediscover it. And I think having gone past the hump that is Teacher's Pet and the Pack, I feel like we're firmly into the better half of the season now. Okay. uh, Okay, We're... This episode really has some moments that start to show us the core of what Buffy the character, as well as the series, are all about. Uh, I discovered this week that Buffy is on Disney+. Plus. You can stream it on there. I've been streaming it illegally. So now oh, that I, I thought you were. I thought you knew. I thought you'd be streaming it on Disney Plus this entire time. <laughs> I did not know. I had no idea. I just happened <laughs> to see it on there, and I was like, "What?" I think it might All have just. Hours? It might have just come on there recently, like in the past couple of weeks. I think so. Yeah. yeah I don't think it was on there for very long. Um, some people in the UK I know were talking about it because I and then, yeah. then I was like, "Well, have I got a podcast for you that's coming out?" <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think Disney because now they've bought Fox and Fox owns Buffy, so I yeah. think Disney is like gradually adding Fox series to Disney Plus, and so congratulations, yeah. Chef's kiss. I'm glad you don't have to stream it anymore illegally. <laughs> yeah. It just makes, because when you're streaming it and you pause, and like I pause a lot to take notes, um, yeah. it, it sometimes it rebuffers. Like, yeah. and it goes back to the beginning. It was really annoying, but I, I mean, I'm nothing but professional, so like I persevered. <laughs> but now that it's on Disney+, Plus, it's just an easier, more, better experience for me. And I'll also add that the recap and the intro ditty is back on Disney+. Plus, so... 
I love the recap because they have the nasaliest man be like, previously on Buffy. <laughs> it's like, that was, you know, that began my viewer experience and I loved it. I was like, this is so funny. And then, of course, you know, she is the one, the slayer. Like that, that whole thing happened again, too. So, so I'm looking forward to that as I continue to rewatch. But the episode starts off in the Vampire Cave of Wonders, where the master is sitting with that little boy vampire who, I will remind everybody, is the, quote, anointed one. Anointed. Anointed? Why can't I say it? Anointed one. There you go. You got it. (laughs) I got it. In the end, we got there. Um, And uh, we also learned that this boy's name is Colin. Just fun fact. Darla is there and the master is scolding her, saying that a, ma- a vampire named Zachary was killed by the Slayer the night before. And uh, he's pissed about this, that she's just like picking them off one by one. Darla offers to kill the Slayer for the master. And he says that she has too much of a personal interest in the matter. And we don't know what that means yet, but he had to point that out to her. He So he's like, instead, I'll send the three. Cut to <laughs> these three skinhead-looking guys outside on the street. And then the three vampires come around the corner, and they're wearing, like, gladiator outfits. And they're just casually walking down the street. And I don't know what they did to the skinhead guys. I forget. Did they just walk by them? Like, yeah, well, the guys just scram. Like, that's... <laughs> they just leave. We're supposed to think those guys are the three, and then worse guys show up. And you're like, oh, okay. So... Once again, the master, of course, has to use the most convoluted solution to his problem. Could have just <laughs> let Darla take care of it. But no, you got to send three extra vampires, which is like from a human resources perspective, you know, that's three times the liability, three times <laughs> the wages. Like, I'm, I'm I got to say, I was on the master's team before when it came to his management style, but I'm starting to doubt him. Yeah, well, I mean, he literally hired a child, so <laughs> he's got a child on staff, too. Um, so we're at the bronze, and apparently, apparently, if you find a cockroach and you kill it, you get a free drink. Uh, what? <laughs> Why do they go to this club? Uh, Willow and Buffy are there, and Willow's saying it's a fumigation party, and it's an annual tradition for this club says this, this is, 15 year old girl <laughs> this is the weirdest thing like why is this part of the plot why why is this in here why is it an annual thing <laughs> yeah well like once it's a be- year. this is what happens when in the u.s you deregulate things like your public health authority right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> this is commentating on that and um so anyway, the, the fumigation party is basically when the bronze closes down for a few days so they can exterminate all the cockroaches. And I do have to wonder, now let's look at the track record of Buffy so far. We're on episode seven. They're talking about cockroaches. They're talking about extermination. Do you think people who are new to watching Buffy might think this episode's going to be about a giant cockroach monster? <laughs> oh, interesting. I didn't think of that at all. Hmm. I hope it's not. Just like in every, in every other episode where they introduce an animal of sorts like some sort of animal situation, it ends up being the monster in Teacher's Pet and in the hyena episode. So Buffy's not paying attention to what Willow's talking about, and she calls her out on it, and she's just like, where are you? 
Uh, Buffy's basically thinking about how she wants a boyfriend, and she's sad that Angel still remains a mystery to her and is never around that much. But she does say that when he's around, the lights dim everywhere else. Same. (laughs) Same girl. Willow agrees with this, but unfortunately, she's talking about Xander. And where is Xander right now? Xander is on the dance floor, dancing terribly and acting like a huge loser. And he's hitting on this girl who's clearly not interested. And the only time he backs off is when her huge boyfriend looks like he's going to murder him. So he's backing off and like dancing away and he steps on Cordelia's shoes, who's there on the dance floor too. She calls him out and she's like, get off my shoes or 200 bucks. Um, and then she says like, oh, I, I saw that that girl just rejected you. And he then turns it around and says, your outfit makes you look like a hooker. And then walks away. And I don't think Cordelia deserved that. No. Also, it made me think about how the show is like two decades old now because $200 is not that much to pay for a pair of shoes anymore. <laughs> not anymore, no. <laughs> I also, so Buffy's got it bad for Angel. Willow's got it bad for Xander. There's so much teenage pining going on here. Oh, the angst. I'm here for it. Yes. And then, of course, we cut to Angel being a creepy stalker fuckboy. How dare you? But it's true. Uh, Xander <laughs> Xander basically goes and talks to, to Willow and um, Buffy for a bit. And uh, Xander's like, Buffy, stay and dance. And she's like, no, no, I'm piecing. I'm not in a good mood. Uh, Willow kills a cockroach. And I just want to point this out because she actually holds it up and says, you want to get a free drink. And I assume that she means a smoothie or a ginger ale. Because what are the kids drinking at this club? Like, Well, know. we know that they eat muffins and buttered croissants. <laughs> so it could be something really fucking fancy, Steph. They must have some really weird non-alcoholic beverages there. <laughs> yeah. So as you said, yes, Buffy's leaving and she senses somebody watching. And sure enough, a man's gaze is on her body. And it's Angel who's watching her from the from behind the stairs. So she's walking home, but she still senses someone's watching her. So she's kind of like, show yourself. And then that's when the three uh, vampires jump out and they grab her and they drag her into an alley. And she's trying to fight them off, but it looks like they quickly overpower her. And um, it's looking pretty serious. And that's when the credits roll. So I just want to say that I really like this opening. I'm really psyched because Xander got rejected. Angel's (laughs) in the building. There are dead cockroaches. Like, there's a lot of things here that I'm liking. So my theory behind the three, and, like, they're wearing armor. So I'm thinking, okay, the armor isn't even part of their, the, like, their vampire thing. These three vampires are in a band together, and the armor's their aesthetic. <laughs> and that's their dream. Like, just yeah. killing people on the side for the master <laughs> is just their side hustle. But their true yeah. dream is to have, like, a death metal vampire band. Wow. I would go see it. <laughs> I would stand front row. Uh, so we cut back from the opening credits and uh, Buffy's about to, looks like she's about to die. And then Angel comes out of nowhere, grabs one of the vampires and says, good dogs don't bite <laughs> and sucker punches him. So during this hubbub, Buffy gets away and they're fighting these guys. And, um, how do we feel about this, that, like, Angel had to come and save her? Like, she's the Slayer, and then just this man comes out of nowhere to help her out. 
and gets her out of a situation where I think in any other situation she would have been fine. But for whatever reason, we needed Angel to step in and be the hero. I had the same thoughts, to be honest, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's just the writers needed a situation where Angel could swoop in and help her. And it worked. But Yeah, well, but it also establishes, yeah. right, like, yes, Buffy's the Slayer, but she is one person. And even the most skilled fighter will have trouble against three heavily armored and skilled opponents. And it, it establishes that Angel is also a force to be reckoned with. Because up until this point, we haven't seen Angel do a lot of fighting. He's basically just shown up and told Buffy ominous news. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like watching from afar and commenting on it. <laughs> Much like us. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're seeing Buffy in a situation where she's overwhelmed, which I think is always good. Because we don't want her to get too powerful, right? Like if she dusted all three of those... And then it was cut back to the master and he's like, well, fuck, like that would be funny, but we'd be back to, you know, square one. So I think it's good to show Buffy in danger. I think it's good in this case for Angel to be swooping into the rescue because we get to see his prowess. Um, I think it's only a problem if this becomes like a pattern in the show. Yes. Yeah. So we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, As they're fighting, uh, one of the vampires hits Angel in the torso with a crowbar, I think. And uh, Buffy and Angel start running away from them. They're chasing them. Buffy brings Angel to her house and she's like, get inside. And uh, as they get inside and they try to close the door, the three vampires are trying to get in. Like their arms are going through the door and Buffy manages to push them out and shut the door. And that's when Angel says, it's okay. They can't come in unless they're invited. In which case, Buffy said, "Well, we've never actually. I've never tested that theory, but she's she's heard of it." Yeah. So it's nice to have the whole vampires have to be invited in mythology being established in this episode. Yes, but it is weird that the vampires' arms were able to enter the house. Yeah, that's different from in later seasons. There's quite a few episodes where they have a, like a visual effect where. Um, vampires will like not be able to cross the threshold at all and yeah um it'll be like rippling on the doorway interesting uh so angel's bleeding from his crowbar wound and (laughs) buffy says i'll get bandages take your jacket and shirt off (laughs) and um i want to add here that i was watching this episode last night on the couch with my fiance sebastian and when buffy said take your jacket and shirt off i was literally like yeah take it off take your shirt off (laughs) and my fiance was like excuse you (laughs) like stop being so thirsty but like this was an this was our excuse ladies this is it the his he's bleeding he's gotta take his shirt off it's finally (laughs) happening so seb is cool with the fact that he's like the second man in your life right (laughs) yeah he's totally i mean there's no other way around it he's either gotta be cool or we break up uh (laughs) So they go to Buffy's kitchen and Angel's shirtless and uh, has a tattoo on his back. And uh, Buffy's checking him out, obviously. We all are. And you can cut the sexual tension with a knife. Well, part of it is she's so close to him. Like the way the shot is framed, you don't need to be that close to him. And it it emphasizes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Some of you need to be that close to him. It emphasizes the height difference, right? And Yes. Yeah, it's just... And the fact that he's half naked and she's touching his body. uh, There is 
sexual tension galore and i am here for it and i was here for it when i was 14 i'm here for it now i love it and they're flirting like they're really flirting with each other and he basically says like maybe i like you because <laughs> he can't help himself but nag a little bit <laughs> it's that big fuck boy energy he's got <laughs> yeah uh but like i'm not gonna lie i love it i, I live for this stuff so god damn it that's when the door opens and Buffy's mom comes home, ruining everything. And I want to add that it's actually a miracle that her mom wasn't attacked on her way home. Like was like the three could still be out there and she just happened to make it inside the house mm-hmm. you know, with no harm, which is great, but weird. Buffy tries to shoo her away upstairs very quickly. Her mom's not buying it. And then that's when Angel comes up behind Buffy and he's clothed again, unfortunately. But you can see Buffy's mom's face, like, be like, ah, okay, I see what's coming on. It's all coming together. You're just hiding a boy from me, right? (laughs) Classic. And uh, Buffy introduces them, and she's like, he's a first year at community college, and he's helping her with her history. And I've said it before, Buffy is a chronic liar, and she's really good at it. I just think she thinks on her feet very, very quickly. And Buffy's mom knowingly says it's a little late for tutoring. (laughs) And, you know, she's shutting this situation down right now because her daughter is 16 years old. So she's like, Buffy, I'm going to bed. And, you know, it couldn't be more clear that, you know, get this guy out of here. (laughs) Well, I like the parenting here because she's not flipping out. You know, she's not making a scene. She's not uh, being punitive towards Buffy. She's just kind of like... Okay, okay, I know what's going on here, but I'm going to handle it smoothly so I don't embarrass you in front of your boy toy. And then maybe she's thinking, okay, well, we're going to have to have a conversation in the morning. Maybe Buffy's mom is thinking, this guy's probably closer to my age. Maybe this is, like, I'm a newly divorced single lady. Maybe it's time for me to make a move. Who knows, right? (laughs) Oh, that could get so messy, Steph. That could get so messy. (laughs) Like, I don't want it to go there. I'm just saying, if I was in Buffy's mother's position, that's what I would be I mean, we're getting closer to Buffy's mom's age than we are to Buffy's yeah. age right now, right? So Very, I mean, so I'm thinking on behalf of Buffy's mom. By the way, I really wish that we knew what Buffy's mom's name is, because we, I mean, we do, but they haven't announced it in the show yet, which is strange by episode seven. Moms don't have names. They're just moms. <laughs> it's just Buffy's mom. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I agree with you. I think her parenting style here is very cool. Cause uh, yeah, she could have made a big scene. She could have embarrassed her, but she didn't. She was just like, I'm going upstairs. So Buffy gets the hint and she pretends to say goodbye to Angel at the door loudly, you know, see you next time, like whatever. But really he's still inside the house and she's sneaking in upstairs. And the, the idea is that the three could still be outside. So he needs to hide there with her and be safe. But there's only one bed. <laughs> Wink. Like, <laughs> what a situation we're in. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Buffy offers the bed to Angel because because he's wounded. He's a wounded he's a wounded man. And uh, like a gentleman, he takes the floor. <laughs> he's like, no, no, you take it. But she does ask him to turn around while she changes into her, into her PJs. And I'll point out here that Angel does not take this opportunity to spy on Buffy as she changes. Weird. It's almost as if that's a decent thing to do, but uh, I kind of feel like somebody else wasn't that decent. Yeah, it's almost like he's not a pervert. 
and didn't take Hmm. the opportunity to break the trust and the boundaries of his one friend. When she's done changing, they have a little convo, and she asks Angel why he fights vampires and where is is his family? And he says, they're dead. (laughs) And the music gets really heavy when he (laughs) says that, and we know, like, whoa, like... We're learning more about Angel for the first time. We didn't, like, he's got a tragic past and we got to yeah. know more about it. Also, Buffy, um, like so many women on TV, sleeping with her bra on. Oh, I know, Buffy. But you know what? You know what? If, it, yeah, if a, if a strange man, you know, a, a handsome man, but if a strange man was sleeping in my room, I'd probably stay pretty fully clothed too. Mm-hmm. For the first little bit. <laughs> Alright, I'm so I just I just love him. I just think he's so hot. Okay. <laughs> uh she also asks uh, uh Angel, you know, was it vampires who killed your family? And uh he kind of hesitates at this and and he does say like it was, but you could tell he's super uncomfortable. Like possibly this is the first time he's ever talked about it. For certainly on the show, but maybe ever the way he kind of reacts to that. So he changes the subject really quickly and very smoothly and says, you even look pretty when you go to sleep. And I swoon. (laughs) I am living for this moment. And Buffy gives him a pillow and a blanket and he sleeps on the floor next to her bed. She asks him if he snores and he says, it's been a long time since anyone's been in the position to let him know. (laughs) So they go to bed. Uh, I want to point out here, though, that if, you know, rookie mistake, Buffy, if you're sneaking people in your room, like have him sleep on the other side of the bed in case your mother oh. pokes her head in and, you know, Good sees point. him, put him, put him on the other side. And then I also want to say that this scene and another scene that's similar to this coming up was everything to me when I was a teenager. And shall I say everything to me now? Because <laughs> like, I just, I just was, really like these scenes. Was Angel your sexual awakening, Stephanie? <laughs> You know, I'm not going to say no to that because, like, who can say? I It seems that – I think my sexual awakening is happening now like, <laughs> during the rewatch because I'm so into this right now. I'm, I'm really, really loving this episode. We're in the library the next morning, and Buffy is telling her friends about what happened. And, of course, Xander is losing his mind with jealousy, and Willow asks if he tried anything. And Buffy says, uh, no, he was a perfect gentleman, to which Willow and her both swoon, because I suppose the bar is very low for men, (laughs) and that he didn't attack her. I mean, when it's Xander and Jesse and, like, all those boys, like, Cordelia was saying in the first or second episode, right? It's, like, college guys, you know, older guys. It's understandable, because if all you know is Xander, everybody else looks better. Yeah, and to that point, Xander then says, that's the oldest trick in the book, and he thinks that Angel was up to something, and that's because we assume, Xander, that if you were in that situation, you would have done something. Yeah. You know, like, you probably would have tried to put the move on her while she was asleep, because you're gross. And uh, Xander's been dead to me ever since he peered at her body in Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. So... Giles is there. He looks really tired and he's not really listening to what's going on. Uh, In my opinion, like he might have been, you know, really into the conversation earlier. I don't know. But he basically is like, let's talk about the vampires that attacked you. All right. So he knows that they're called the three 
They're warrior vampires, uh, very proud and very strong. And there's a picture of them in this textbook that he has, or this uh, ancient book. And Willow asks how he always has the answers to these things. And it's really funny because Giles is like, well, I was here from midnight until 6 a.m. researching. Where, where were you? And Willow's like, I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, Giles is really sassy in this moment. And I love it. Yeah, yeah we're, you know, we're being reminded he works hard at his job. He does. Yeah, he takes it very seriously. And uh, he has all this information for these teenagers when they get up out of bed, well, you know? And point of order, but so presumably Giles is being paid by the school to be a librarian. Does he get paid to be a watcher? Or is this just something he's supposed to do for free? Like, Buffy's not getting paid to be the Slayer, right? Is this just a yeah. calling? So he just works six hours for free. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's actually something I would love to know more about. Maybe we'll find out later. But you're right. Like, what are what is Giles' salary? Does he get benefits? Like, does he get vacation? <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> would you want to go on vacation and leave Buffy by herself? No, I guess he wouldn't. I guess he his vacation is if the Slayer dies. <laughs> well, this got dark fast. I mean, this is taking a turn. Let's take it back to Angel. Uh, but Giles notes that the Master must be hurting if he sent these three warriors. Uh, so they need to step up, step up their training. And Xander chooses this moment to say that Buffy should stay at his house for safety and Willow should go tell Angel to leave town. And uh, Giles is like, no need for that because the three already failed. So they're going to be offering themselves up as penance. This is weird to me because, okay, so the, 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 the three, the warriors, the three, mm -hmm. they are well known enough to be in these ancient textbooks but they've never failed in like the hundred-ish years of building up this really excellent reputation they've never failed so how would he know that they would have to kill themselves and also like they barely put up a fight the night before and that was it like that's all yeah they were? well so i think part of it is maybe like the, maybe the three didn't always work for the master right like maybe they were independent and then when the master rolled into their part of town, because we know the master came over from Europe. So, you know, maybe they're American vampires and then the master shows up in Sunnydale and they're like, OK, well, we'll pledge our loyalty to you. So up until that point, right, maybe they could make mistakes and stuff. But of course, the master works on this weird fealty system where if you screw up, he's not going to tolerate your failure. So that could be part of it, I guess. Yeah, and then also I think, so then we cut to the master's cave, where he is indeed having them murdered for, for failing. And um, Darla is the one to do it, and she's super happy to be doing this. I don't know, I just feel like, master, if, if Buffy's killing off your people every other night, they keep these three around. It, you're, it, you're right. It's quite his disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I feel like his management style is falling apart, and... <laughs> It's disappointing because the show introduces the three. Like, that's a kick-ass name. Yeah. And then in Their the first, name. like, 20 minutes of the episode, they're gone. It's like no more three vampires for Buffy to fight off. The zero. So it's just a little little bit of a misstep, I think, in this episode. Yeah, and um, and we never got to hear their mixtape. We never got to hear it's their, true. <laughs> their, their album. sick beats. <laughs> yeah. So Buffy is in the library cage. Remember, there's a cage in the library. She's in there picking weapons uh, for her and Giles to practice with. She wants to play with the crossbow. Who wouldn't? <laughs> and uh, Giles, very condescendingly, I might add, says that she first needs to learn the basic tools, starting with the quarterstaff which he says will require hours of training as that's how long it took him to learn it. 
And Buffy thinks this is hilarious. And she's like, am I fighting Friar Tuck? Which I love <laughs> that reference. Um, and she takes him out in five seconds. Like she takes him out. And it's so funny. And he's like, all right, let's move on to the crossbow. <laughs> this is a really cute scene. Like I just, I think this scene is just such a nice, wholesome interaction between Buffy and Giles. Yeah, and I like that Buffy kind of takes control of her own training, you know? Mm -hmm. Also, we see at the beginning of the scene, Giles puts a sign outside the library that says, library's closed for filing, come back tomorrow. So that (laughs) answered my question from an earlier episode where it's like, what's going to happen if somebody comes in while they're training in the library? They just shut it down. Don't come in here. Intense filing happening. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if if you come in here without the proper safety gear, you're going to go blind. Yeah, it's very dangerous. You can't come in here while I move books around. Um, (laughs) So back at Buffy's house, uh, she goes up to her bedroom and Angel is still there (laughs) and we can get back into this later because i want to continue on with the the scene at the moment uh but she brings him dinner in a bag in like a ziploc bag and can we talk about this for a second how what what even is that like how do you expect him to eat it do you think he's just gonna like unzip it and tip his head back like or is he gonna like yeah he's gonna pour it in his mouth like (laughs) or like not even a fork not even a fork i was like puppy Buffy, it's not a sexy way to present dinner to this guy. Um, anyway, I just, I had to comment and and he no. just looks at it. He just looks at it like, what is he supposed to do with this thing? <laughs> and um, they never mention it again. He just, he kind of like puts it down. Oh. He, she was like, what did you do all day? And he was like, oh, I did a little reading and I did some thinking. And like, what are you still doing there, Angel? Why didn't you leave during the day? Uh, Buffy automatically thinks that he read her diary because it's sitting there on her dresser and she starts lying because once again Buffy leans into lying when she can and she says uh you know hunk can mean a lot of things bad things and and when I say your eyes are penetrating I mean bulging and when I was fantasizing about someone named A like it wasn't you it was a charming foreign exchange student named Ahmed like just all this like tangent of lies and hilarious lies and uh I feel her on this honestly I I do feel like if you read somebody's diary or someone's private conversation or whatever it is it's such an extreme violation of your boundaries and your privacy so she would have a right to be angry however she did the very you know 16 year old thing to jump to conclusions and just assume Mm -hmm. that he read it when angel like interrupts her and says like you know what i didn't read it like i promised your mom she just she came in and straightened up i hid in the closet while she was doing that and um She's embarrassed, obviously, for her outburst. And he says, you know, I really can't be around you. And it's because when he is, all he can think about is how badly he wants to kiss her. Ew. <laughs> Yay. It's so cute. I love it. And he's he says he's older than her. And this can't be a thing. And she asks him how much older. And he's like, I should go. But they're they're so attracted to each other they're like they're moving closer and closer and together and then they kiss and Kara, you're shaking your head but as far as first kisses on tv and film go this is a great one this is so so good two beautiful people clearly super into each other there's a lot of passion it goes on for like 10 seconds they are making out it's great to me it's great hey 
You won't get any argument from me. It's a very well-staged kiss. Oh, yeah. and Still gross, because kissing's gross, but it's a good kiss, I guess. Uh, this is a 10 out of 10. This is this is good. The passion so is it's, there. So it's right up there with that one from The Princess Bride, which was like the kiss that was heard around the world. Uh, this is better than that. <laughs> oh, shots fired. This is better. Uh, they're, like, I will say Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz, their chemistry is off the charts. Like, okay. They're so good. It's It crackles. The energy is crackling. And, Apparently uh, it's too good for Angel. It's a little too good for him. And as it intensifies, he suddenly breaks away and looks away. And Buffy's like, what's wrong? And when he turns back, oh my god, he's a vampire! He's got his vampire face on. I actually, I jumped at this, even knowing what was coming, because I forgot that was the moment we saw it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, Buffy screams, he jumps out the window and runs away. Buffy's mom comes in, it's like, what happened? And she's just like, I saw a shadow. She's in shock. We're all in shock. Like, this is like... A big deal. Angel is a vampire. Yeah. You know, in the movie, we said that you told me that she would have cramps. Yeah. That would tell her when a vampire was around. That would have came in really helpful. Mm -hmm. However, maybe the butterflies in her stomach and like her longing for him would have overshadowed that no matter what. Yeah, it seems like Buffy's very bad at sensing vampires in general in this series. And definitely lots of wishful thinking when it comes to Angel. Because let's be real, like... There's been a few other clues. You never see him during the day. You know, he didn't, like, hand you the cross necklace. He very carefully gave it to you in a box. Like, he's always, like, around and knows lots of weird shit about vampire activity in town. Like, there was something off about this guy. But you didn't care, Buffy, because, you know, you were thinking with your lady parts. And that's fine. That's okay. You're a 16-year-old girl. You're allowed to swoon over Angel. You are allowed to swoon over Angel if you're a 32-year-old girl, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's all good. <laughs> I'm not going to shame your, your swooning, Steph. You keep swooning as much as you want. Oh, I'll be swooning for the rest of this episode. Don't get me wrong. But we at the end of this episode, we'll have our, our listener time, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So the next day, in front of the school, she's telling the gang what happened the night before and she asks giles if a vampire can be a good person if can if a vampire could ever be good and giles says a vampire isn't a person at all it's a demon and i do kind of want to point out here that like the group boundaries and the dynamics of this group are strange and buffy is like talking about making out with angel <laughs> in front of giles and i think like, maybe it is normal i don't know and she's just telling him what happened but it just seems like she's just really open with that information with with her watcher. I think she's still in shock. And the fact that Angel's a vampire makes this relevant okay. to Giles. I think this would be totally different if Buffy had been making out with a human boy and something <laughs> weird had happened, right? She wouldn't be telling Giles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Buffy's just really confused and shocked and hurt, like you said. And Xander, being his ever helpful, supportive self, says that, Angel's a vampire, you're a slayer, so it's obvious what you need to do. And he seems so happy about this, that Buffy might have to kill Angel. And, like, not regarding her feelings or how she's hurt by this, how she cares for him. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, you gotta kill him. And Giles does agree with Xander, but, like, gently, like, more gently and softly. Mm -hmm. And 
Xander's like, I know you have feelings for him, but it's not like you're in love with him. And Buffy just kind of like looks at him or looks away and doesn't say anything. And he's like, you're in love with a vampire? Are you out of your mind? (laughs) And that's when Cordelia, we find she's standing behind them and she's like, what? Turns out she's not listening to them at all, because why would she be? Uh, she's actually concerned with another girl on campus who's wearing the same <laughs> dress as her. <laughs> this is such a strange and out-of-place scene, but I love Cordelia. Please don't ever change. <laughs> yeah, to please be exactly the way you are, hating free trade agreements as you yell know. at this girl. <laughs> that, that's the thing, right? Is like Cordelia is one of those students who she listens, she pays attention in class, but... Somewhere in that brain of hers, it gets jumbled up and she comes out with the most bizarre statements where it's like, yes, Cordy, you're not wrong about free trade agreements, but yeah. that's also the not context. the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Buffy's uh. just like, well, I, I thought I had problems. So I think I think this scene is just supposed to break the tension, right? Like mm-hmm. Angel's a vampire. Buffy kind of admitted that she's in love with him and she mm-hmm. might have to kill him. Ah, then it's just like. Because otherwise... It would be too angsty, and then we'd be in, like, CW Vampire Diaries territory, right? Yeah, but, I mean, that's not a bad place to be. The show shouldn't shy away from from people. Oh, don't worry. There will be plenty of angst by the end of this episode, Steph. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, I know it. Uh, So we are in some sort of basement hallway. Angel's coming in, and we're assuming that this is his apartment. And we're in a very modern, minimalist kind of situation, which makes me like him even more because I just like his decorating style. Well, it's not like he can go shopping during the day. Or he stole that stuff. <laughs> he prob- Well, he probably had to steal it. This is also yeah. the first time in the series that we've seen Angel not in the same scene as like Buffy and stuff, right? Like up until now, Angel shows up when Buffy's around. This yeah. is the first time the show is cut away to show us Angel away from Buffy and like what he's doing, right? So that's pretty significant. Yeah. And I think they also really want to show the space that he's occupying because we, we've we seen the vampire's lair. We've seen the candles, the cave, the blood pool. Oh, yeah. Good point. Angel's living in a basement apartment, so there's mm-hmm. no sunlight, but he's got a bed and he's got books and he's got uh, like it looks like picture frames and like he's got a setup. Right. So he's living yeah. like a human. So. He goes inside and he senses somebody's there and it is Darla. Clearly they know each other because he says the last time I saw you, it was kimonos. And she said the last time she saw him, it wasn't high school girls. <laughs> Touche. And um, they start reminiscing about their vampire days. They were in Budapest. There were earthquakes. Everybody was like running in panic. They're eating all the time. Now he's living above ground like one of them and he's attacking them like one of them. But he's not one of them. Then she opens the window and the sunlight streams through and Angel dies out of the way just to like really hammer in that he's a vampire and he can't be in the sunlight. And she also opens up the fridge and it's full of blood bags. So now we know that he still needs blood, but he is getting it from from the hospital or whatever. I really like what Darla says here, too. She's like, you're not exactly living off quiche <laughs> because that, uh, Angel's like, I'm not like you. And... Uh, She's basically tempting him back into his real nature, uh, back into his vampire nature. And we still don't know why he is the way he is. But she says she wants to be there when his vampire side explodes out of him and that he should tell Buffy about the curse. The curse? (gasps) Because maybe then she'll come around. But if Buffy doesn't come around, Darla will be waiting for him. 
in the library. We're doing some research during school hours. Giles is reading the diary of the watchers that came before him. And reading the diary prompts Willow to bring up how romantic it was that Angel didn't read Buffy's diary. And Willow is proving herself to be just as big of a Buffy Angel shipper as I am, which makes me <laughs> love Willow even Willow's more. Willow's the best. So you know what this means, though, right? What? So if Giles is reading the diaries of past watchers, that means Giles has a diary. So I'm just picturing Giles like sitting in the back of the library after all the <laughs> students have left. He's got a little candle going and he's just writing in his diary. And he's like, oh, Buffy was mean to me today. She's such a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I gotta hang out with these 16-year-olds all goddamn day. A praying man just trying to have sex with a student. Like, just lots of stuff. I would read that. I would read it. And, and, I, and because we spend so much time training, I'm behind on my actual filing. Yeah, I actually need to file these goddamn books. I gotta hide the occult books. So much things going on with Giles. Uh, and it does suck too that like you know the watcher diaries from before from the from the, the past are like talking about angel's past life as a vampire which sounds pretty badass whereas giles is very much you're right like gonna be like a pack of hyenas <laughs> ate the principal today <laughs> <laughs> like i got knocked unconscious again <laughs> <laughs> like just so much stuff. His medical so, bills, I have to say. <laughs> but I, but no, I mean it when I say that G- Angelus and G- that Angel's past sounds really cool. So Giles says that there are stories from Ireland of Angelus, uh, the vampire with the angelic face, and I agree. And uh, they confirm that Angel has a tattoo on his back, so that's that is Angelus. They learn that Angel is 240 years old. And I will point out that Giles says that's not very old for a vampire. Well, he's very well preserved. (laughs) Yeah, he looks great. And uh, after Angelus left Ireland, he wreaked havoc in Europe for several decades. And then around 80 years ago, he came to America, shunned other vampires, and became a recluse. So... That information prompts Willow to suggest that he's a good vampire, as in that he's not murdering people. And Giles does point out that, you know, vampires hunt and kill. That's what they do. And they don't actually know what he's been up to for the last 80 years. Buffy says that, you know, angels never hurt me. He could have, but he didn't. And Xander asks what he was like before he came to America. And Giles just says he was a vicious, violent animal. So... I like that backstory on Angel. I think it's a really cool one. Sometimes in this series, we get the backstories of different demons mm-hmm. and different different characters. And I think Angel's backstory is really interesting. Absolutely. And they've they've made it general enough that they can go back and kind of fill it out and, and give us more details as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. But they, they've given us enough right now that he's just not some vampire, right? He's got this history. He's in the notes. He's in the diaries. Like, he's a big deal. He's a player. You, like, people wrote about him enough. He's not like, you know, Zachary from the beginning of this episode who just happened to die <laughs> randomly. Poor Zachary. We didn't even get to meet him. <laughs> he could have been epic. We don't know. We'll never know, Zachary. Rest in peace. But, uh... The f- <laughs> Yet, another but the fact that- Yet another vampire whose mixtape will never... <laughs> <laughs> but 
but Angelus has a reputation and he's badass. And we cut to the vampire cave and uh, they actually reiterate how badass he is. So Darla's there speaking to the master about letting her take care of the slayer. And now we know that when the master said before that it was too personal for her, we know now that it's because Angel and her have a past. And now not only has she taken on Buffy before and lost, but now Angel has some sort of thing with Buffy and Darla is jealous of that. So this is also kind of the first time that we're going to be exploring the idea of vampire love. I mean, we get more into this later too, but she's like... The, the history that they share, the fact that they had some sort of connection in the past, like we need to think more about how demons love each other. And we can okay. get more to that. I, later. I have comments. Yeah, I have comments on that, but I want to wait yeah. until towards the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait. So Darla's argument is pretty sound. She's just like, you know, we can just sit here and let her take us out one by one and do nothing, or she's going to uh, manipulate Angel into killing Buffy so that he'll join them again. Because apparently he used to be on the master's staff <laughs> and the master does say that angel was the most vicious creature he ever met that's a ringing endorsement like if i were evil i would want the master to be a reference on my resume uh yeah absolutely i think that's a glowing recommendation so he does let darla carry out with his plan because it's the chance to get angel back and that's a big deal because apparently he's famous so in the library at night, Willow is helping Buffy study for the Civil War. Um, study the Civil War. <laughs> and uh, she's clearly thinking about Angel and how he's already, he was already 100 years old by the time the Civil War came around. And Willow asks, are we going to study or are we going to talk about boys? In which case, I mean, obviously they chose the latter because... Obviously. Who... Obviously, like, we're going to talk about boys. Come on. And uh, Willow shares her fantasy that Xander will just kiss her one day. He'll just wake up and kiss her. Uh, <laughs> uh, poor Willow. She's got Willow. it so bad. And you could do so much better. You could do so much better. And the fact that, like, we have talked before about how Buffy is kind of clueless to Xander's feelings. Or even if she knows about them, like, they're just so not she's just so not interested that she doesn't even recognize them you know she doesn't she doesn't say anything about it but does xander realize that willow has a crush on him absolutely not you don't think so no because he would not be so chummy with willow if he knew he'd be so much more awkward yeah i can see that too and he even goes for like at the beginning when he's dancing on the dance floor and like Cordelia, a really popular, beautiful girl, and the girl that he tried to dance with, also very beautiful. Like, these are the women that he wants to get with, and he doesn't even see what's right in front of him, which is Willow, who is, who, who's the only girl this entire school who likes him. <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it. It's sad, because, you know, he's a shallow piece of shit. So... <laughs> Buffy's like you have to speak up if you want Xander and she's like no I can't she's too shy too nervous um, then Willow asked Buffy what was it like when Angel kissed you and Buffy said it was unbelievable which we've already <laughs> attested to it was unbelievable and uh, we noticed that Darla is standing in the back of the library listening to this conversation so once again Buffy like you need your cramps back you need to be able to sense <laughs> When a vampire's around you. Willow starts wondering about what will happen if Buffy ages and Angel won't. And what about kids? And she's getting really into it, right? And then she realizes she overstepped. And she's like, I'm sorry. 
But Buffy's like, no, I need to hear this. This is reality. I need to hear it. And like, I agree. She does need to to yeah. you know, wake up and realize this. They try to keep studying. So Buffy's like, you know, we'll give it half an hour and then I'll go home. Darla hears that and leaves. So at Buffy's house, Buffy's mom's drinking tea in the kitchen and she hears a noise outside. Uh, there's a one. She gets up to go investigate. And we see Darla's vamp face looking through the window. And it kind of scared me. I was really expecting creepy. it. Yeah. So Buffy's mom hears a knock at the door. She goes to the front door. It's Darla. She's wearing her schoolgirl outfit and she doesn't have her vamp face on. She's got her human face on. Smart move. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start to get her to come inside. She says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of Buffy's friends. I'm here to help her study when she gets back from the library. And, uh, of course, Buffy's mom invites her right in. <sighs> and uh, Buffy's mom, why? Why did you do that? I mean, I know, like, obviously you're going to fall for that. But it's just like, this is where we, the audience, are going, no, and screaming at our TVs. Well, Buffy's mom also should have realized that, like, Darla was wearing, like, a Catholic schoolgirl's outfit. <laughs> and uh, the school doesn't have any <laughs> uniforms, so... And can I just say that now more than ever, because this is the second time in this episode where Buffy's mom almost like is 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 in the situation where she could she could be seriously hurt. The first time with the three and now with Darla, like Buffy should tell her mom what's going on. Buffy should tell her mom that I'm the Slayer. Interesting. There's a lot of danger going on here. Don't invite people in. You don't know. I think this would have helped that situation. So. Anyway, Angel's at the front door. He's about to knock, but he, once again, he just gets cold feet. Like, oh, I'm so misunderstood. Like, she'll never understand me. She'll never accept me. So he starts to leave. That's his, that's what I assume he's thinking. <laughs> and uh, he didn't say that. I just, I just, I'm in his head. And uh, he hears a scream. So he breaks in through the back door and we see Darla feeding on Buffy's mom. This is a, this is awful. <laughs> Poor Buffy's mom. Yeah. And she she throws Buffy's mom, who was unconscious, onto Angel and leaves. And Angel is struggling with the fresh smell of blood and his vampire face comes out. And he's trying to fight the temptation to bite. You know he doesn't want to, but he's a, he's a vampire. So he, he kind of wants to. And Buffy comes home just then and sees him. Oh, dear. This is not good. Uh, the next scene we see is she throws Angel out the front living room window <laughs> and she just says to him, you're not welcome here. And if you come near us again, I'll kill you. We cut to the hospital and Buffy's mother is alive. Willow and Xander are there and she's telling them that Buffy's friend had come over and she thinks she slipped and cut her neck on a barbecue fork. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Giles shows up and, you know, she's like, what are you doing here? The librarian. And he says he came to pay her respects and wish her a speedy recovery. <laughs> and she says, oh, the teachers at the school really do care. And I just, I love that quote because, it, you know, Buffy's mom is just so oblivious, right? And Yes. She's just being bitten by a vampire, and she's still just like, ah, oh, la, 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 Buffy's going to a good school. That's my priority. <laughs> she's like, what a great town we're in. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Buffy thinks it's her fault for not doing anything about Angel because she cared about him, and then this is the result. So she's ready to kill him now. She's like, nope, he came after my mom. That's it. Like, that's the last straw. Giles says this is not an ordinary vampire, and Angel knows her. And he's faced the three, even though I can't see why that would ever be a big deal because they were so easily killed. And he, she's, he's just basically saying it's going to take more than a simple stake. 
and Buffy agrees. And she goes to the library to get a crossbow <laughs> and she starts practicing with it. And I do think that Giles is also saying not just so much that it takes more than a simple stake. I think he's also kind of looking out for Buffy's emotions. Cause remember in absolutely in never kill a boy on a first date, like they, like he understands Buffy's thinking and the way she feels mm-hmm. and the way she um, makes connections with people. So he knows he's like, it's not, it's not just about killing him, Buffy. Like this is going to do something to you if you actually care about him. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I like this episode so much is this is really like the first time we're seeing the part of Buffy that when your her family gets threatened, she shuts down and she becomes cold and she's going to go on the rampage and she is going to do whatever it takes to take this threat out. She's not going to listen to reason. You know, Giles is going to be like, do you think you should wait? You know, we need to help you. She's going to be like, no, I'm getting my crossbow and I'm going to go murder this guy. Like, that's it. And this turns out to be a very important part of Buffy's personality that will serve her well in some aspects in the future, but also be detrimental in other ways. And we'll need the rest of the gang to balance her out. So I really like that this episode is drawing that out with her feelings for Angel versus her guilt and her realization that her mother was in harm's way. Yeah, which also I'll add again, that could have been solved had she just told her mom not to open the door to people. (laughs) Yes, I mean, arguably also if Angel had told Buffy ahead of time, right? Like, by the way, I'm a vampire. Yeah, let's put the blame back on the man because it really is his fault. (laughs) So while Buffy's practicing with this crossbow, Darla is back at Angel's apartment, seducing him into attacking Buffy. And it's super sexual the way she's like all over him. She's trying to get into his head. She's trying to manipulate him, telling him he's stupid for thinking she could ever love him back for a hundred years. He hasn't had a moment of peace because he doesn't accept who he is. Like, don't let her hunt you down. Kill, feed, live. Like, the classic vampire propaganda. <laughs> she's she's laying it on thick for him. And then he, he gets, uh, he gets, like, amped up. And he's like, I want it finished. So we think that he's ready to do it. And Buffy is at the bronze hunting Angel. Uh, I guess because she, she, I think she said earlier yeah, that he lives this... nearby. This part makes no sense to me. It's like, why are you going to the bronze? Other than the fact it's a convenient set location that the show has set up. But it's like, what information did we have that Angel was going to be there? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we know that it's being fumigated. So wouldn't there be poison everywhere? But you know what? (laughs) Here we are. Here we are. She breaks through a window, uh, climbs a ladder, goes inside the bronze. Uh, At the same time, Giles is still sitting with Buffy's mom. And they're talking about Buffy's struggle with history. Her mom is kind of like, like, why, why is she struggling? And Giles basically says, Buffy lives in the now. And, you know, mm-hmm. she doesn't get caught up in the history of things. And I, I like that. I think because I've actually seen this episode many times, more than any other episode in season one, for for the angel aspect. And, <laughs> and uh, remember in... Um, one of the one of the other episodes that we were that we did, I was saying how I never particularly thought of Buffy as an intelligent person, and that's not to say I wasn't like you know that she's not mm-hmm. a hero or that I didn't respect her because I do, but I just never mm-hmm. thought of her as somebody who's smart. So when she was making all these really awesome choices, I was like, wow, this is so nice to see. And I think it's because watching episodes like this over and over again and not watching other episodes where she actually shows her brilliance. Mm-hmm. 
reinforces the fact that she's not good at school or that she mm-hmm. struggles in some aspects of school. So perhaps that's just me, like, you know, not allow, not thinking harder about Buffy's character. But now that I am, I'm like, no, she actually is very smart, but maybe she's just not book smart. She's street smart. <laughs> yeah, she's in contrast to Willow and... Mm. Willow gets held up and we're told over and over throughout the series how book smart Willow is. And so maybe in contrast to her, it just kind of like that helps, like you were saying, reinforce this idea that Buffy's not smart, at least in that way. Um, And I also think there could just be this, this aspect of because we are so caught up in Buffy's emotional connection to Angel in this episode. And her swooning over him as a starry-eyed teenage girl, you know, there is a narrative in our society that for a girl to be desirable uh, to a man, you can't be too smart. So I I think if we're buying into this idea that, you know, if you're a teenage girl and you're watching this episode and you want to be in Buffy's shoes you're going to want to position yourself and Buffy as not being super smart because that's going to scare the men away, right? Like, there's, mm. a, I think there's a little bit of that going on there as well. And again, no spoilers, but I feel like in later seasons, that's going to come into play with other people. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. and I, But I do think, like, maybe also the fact that, like, Willow is smarter than Buffy in the traditional mm-hmm. school sense... It's, it's, it's a way for Buffy not to have it all, right? Absolutely. Like she can't, like she can't Willow be a Mary has Sue. a purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So anyway, this whole scene is just basically to set up that uh, Buffy's mom finally says that it was Darla who came to the house, not Angel. And Giles realizes that Buffy's hunting the wrong vampire. So he collects Willow and Xander and they go off to try and stop her. Also, when he tells Buffy's mom... Uh, and she's like, somebody should really check on Darla. And he's like, yes, I'll go do that as a way of excusing himself. She yeah. says, the teachers really do care in this town, right? Like, she's just like... <laughs> she's like, that school's amazing. <laughs> but Buffy's mom is the kind of person you could have a conversation with, and she's going to take away the wrong take from the conversation. <laughs> yeah. But bless her heart, she's such a sweetheart, you know? <laughs> so Buffy's inside the bronze hunting angel who is... <laughs> who's showing like you know his, his very good stalker side in which case like he they're they're having a conversation but he could be anywhere in the this giant warehouse like well the be... acoustics are just so good in that space right <laughs> like he's in the shadows he could be up high he could be low he could be under the pool table we don't know where he is but when he does come out he's wearing his vamp face and Buffy it has her crossbow and she tries to shoot him but misses. He kicks her from behind. She she drops the crossbow but dives to get it. And then she turns around and aims it right at him. And it looks like she's got him. Like it looks like she's about to kill him. And he morphs back into his human face. And he, he tries to goad her on. He's kind of like, you know, do it. Do it. Shoot me. And she does pull the trigger but misses him on purpose. And she instead wants to ask him, like, why did you do it? Why did you make me feel for you? I've killed a lot of vampires, but I've never hated one before. I love that line so much. Like, Mm -hmm. we're really finally getting into Buffy's role as the Slayer, right? And up until now, it's been this job that she's been thrust into and she didn't want. And, And now it matters. Like, now she's finally starting to understand the importance of her role because 
if if she doesn't kill Angel and the other bad vampires, who will? This episode raises those stakes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Angel gives his backstory here, which I love. I'm always here for more information about Angel. Uh, he killed his family. He killed his their friends and their friends' children. This is after he turned into a vampire. He obviously. was very thorough. He's like, he's got a list. And he's like, I got to yeah. make sure I kill everybody. For 100 years, he offered death to all he met. And he did it with a song in his heart. <laughs> It's a cute little monologue. It's a weird way of describing your terrible, vicious past, but okay. Yep. Um, but you know what? He he just I think he's he's saying all this stuff because I think he just really wants Buffy to think he's evil. He's trying really hard to convince her that he's a bad person. Yeah, he he's he's trying to sell her on it so that he's trying to sacrifice himself, basically. Yes, um, he's like kill me, <laughs> please. But why is he doing that? It's because he then tells Buffy after all these years of death and mayhem, he fed off a girl that was about Buffy's age, but she was part of the Romani tribe or clan. And the elders of that clan conjured a punishment for him and restored his soul. This is really interesting. Um, so just a quick side note for our listeners. In the episode, Angel uses the word Romani, which is the correct term for these uh, people um, and then he also uses um, a G word that we're not going to use on our podcast because our understanding is that Roma people considered that to be a slur. So we're not going to use it. It's going to come up again in future episodes. But in order to be respectful to everybody, uh, we're going to use the term Romani instead. So yeah, like this is, I mean, again, like this is going to come up again in the future and we're going to learn like even more about this whole backstory but for now it's just like this is just another example of Buffy appropriating other cultures and other ethnicities uh, mythologies and magic right and I think it's this is racist or at least like ethnic discrimination just like we saw with the pack Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, two episodes in a row yeah in a row absolutely you're right yeah because like the Romani people you know um they were vilified and they were persecuted across Europe in part because they had a reputation of being like criminals and uh, and during that time being witches and stuff. So for the show to take that stereotype and, and that's the only representation we get, like that's, you know, that's very, very unfortunate. And, uh, I, and I, I cannot think off the top of my head of like a, a, a Romany character uh, who's treated seriously on TV right now. Maybe somebody can write in and let us know. But, oh, mm-hmm. like, again, the show is just so lazy. They're like, okay, it was Europe. It was the late 19th century. Who around there is doing witchcraft? Ah, Romani people, of course. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't age well. And uh, I'm glad that you explained that we will be saying the Romani and not the other word. So, yeah, so, I mean, it is unfortunate that that's the big part of Angel's past uh, and that it does come up often in the show, I will say. So I guess we'll just have to have to mention it every time we hear it to be like, no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when you become a vampire, the demon takes your body but does not get your soul. That's gone. So you have no conscience and no remorse, which is what your soul brings to the table, I suppose. And... uh, 
basically Angel says, you have no idea what it's like to have done the things that I've done and care. Yeah, it's just this is an interesting point to me. The show seems to be making this assumption that when you lose your soul, you also become like a a greedy monster. Like, I, I don't know if is part of that the hunger of the vampire demon within you? Um, the, because I agree that, OK, if, if you lose your soul, you, you lose your conscience, you lose your sense of remorse. But like I've seen other TV shows depict soullessness as you're kind of like a psychopath, right? Like you can't really feel anything. But that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you're going to be a bad person. So right. it's curious to me. I, I'm I'm just wondering, like, how much of the quote unquote evilness of vampires is a result of them lacking souls? And how much is like the, the hunger and the bloodlust that they experience being a vampire? Does that make any well, sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think that's actually exactly... Uh, that I think that actually encompasses a lot of what Angel's character explores. Yeah. In the show, he's a vampire, he's a demon, but he has a soul, right? So mm-hmm. so where does the demon end and when does the man begin? Like we're I guess we're going to have to find out as the Well, Buffy is definitely going to find out. <laughs> oh, we'll all find out. <laughs> and um basically um the angels basically has he he said he hasn't fed on a living human being since he got his soul and um he says he i didn't feed on your mom uh that wasn't me <laughs> and uh he walks like a man but he's not one and he wanted to kill buffy and once again i'm pointing out again that i think he's just really trying to convince buffy to kill him like he wants buffy to think he's evil that he's not good he's I trying agree. to push her away right that's how i read the situation too Buffy calls his bluff, though, because Buffy, she actually does care for him, and they seem to have an understanding between each other. There's a connection here. Um, so she calls his bluff, and she she puts down her crossbow and walks right up to him and offers him her neck to drink from. So are we supposed to kind of see this as, like, this weird romantic thing where it's like they're both trying to sacrifice each, each other and, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. okay, I'm just checking. Like, that's kind what of how of I read it, but I just what wanted of it? to check. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't bite her. She doesn't kill him. So, uh, she says it doesn't look as easy. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? And, um, like she knows that he's not going to kill her. Right. And that's why she did that. And I think she's also proving to herself here that perhaps he is a, you know, a quote, I don't think she knew. I think she was taking this risk because she's in love with him. Like, yeah, totally. No, no, that's what I mean. She has faith, but she can't like, know. She doesn't know for sure, but I think this was her test to be like, are you what you say you are, right? Like, if you have a soul, will you hurt me? And he chose not to. And just as they realized that he wasn't going to, and like, maybe they would have made out again. Who knows? But that's when Darla shows up. And uh, Darla's like, do you know what the saddest thing in the world is? And Buffy says, bad hair on top of that outfit, which I think is really funny. And... um. I mean, maybe it's not so funny. Like, Dar- like Buffy basically attacks Darla for the way she's dressed. Yeah, the way she that her she hair says. Is yeah, later old. on she says something about lines around her eyes, and it's like we're back to the whole internalized misogyny thing. Yeah, and it's like you know, Buffy, you could just like make fun of her because she's evil, <laughs> right? And a vampire, you know, don't don't have to go for the looks. But, uh, I mean, I said this before in, the, in, I think it was Teacher's Pet. I was just like, you know, Buffy, you got a little bit of soul searching to do in that area. Uh, she's still young. 
so Darla says, to love someone who used to love you, that is what the saddest thing in the world is. So there's the idea of uh, <laughs> of vampire love again, and how can someone who's evil love somebody, you know? Well, I don't think they can. I, I'm, I don't think they can either. We're going to explore this throughout the whole series, and I'm very firmly in the position that creatures without souls cannot experience love. Yeah. Um, what Darla's feeling here is rage and a sense of possessiveness over Angel. For sure. And I I love this scene and I love the way Julie Benz plays this, right? Where she's like, she is viscerally disgusted that Angel would choose to turn away from his own kind, choose to embrace his ensoulment and fall for this waif of like a 16 year old mortal right like in darla's eyes buffy is a baby and the contempt that spills from darla's lips in this scene is so palpable that we start to really understand the nature of vampiric evil in this show it's not just that darla's a mindless soulless killing machine vampires do have passions but the passions are embroiled in this possessiveness and sense of ownership over the people around you. You know, the master says this when he's trying to teach Colin about vampire family, right? It's this idea that you kill together, you feed together, you belong together because you can't have love. So the next best thing you can have is possession. I love that. That's such a good analysis of it. And I mean, it doesn't help also that they're part of this giant religious cult where like, it's like, it's like extra in that, in that regard. And also the fact that Darla, she admits here that she made him, that she sired Angel. So she made him into a vampire. And this is a huge deal. And I don't Mm -hmm. think this episode actually explores how big a deal that is. No, they leave that for later episodes. For later, yeah, but I think, and coming into it now and knowing what I know, but not just from the show, from watching True Blood or, um, sure, sure, Twilight, why not? Having a vampire sire you or having a sire is a really big deal. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is your mentor, father, mother figure. This Mm -hmm. is the person that brought you into this world, essentially. They're the closest thing you have to family anymore. Yeah, because he yeah, killed yeah. the rest of his family. Because <laughs> he killed them and their children and their children's children. <laughs> so that's a bomb drop that we got, and I think even Buffy picks up on the fact that that's a huge deal, and that their connection mm. is deeper than just hanging out for a hundred years. And it's it's deeper than that. It goes back to the whole like vampires representing sexuality, but it's also twisted, right? Because like if. Darla's his vamp parent, then it's like this weird incestuous thing where it's like, you know, she fed off of him, he fed off of her, and then it's like they gallivanted around and killed people for 200 years and had sex. Like, like it's it's just so messed up. And uh, it's interesting that Buffy as a 16-year-old girl is in the middle of all of this. Yeah, but um, after this, Darla pulls out two guns. <laughs> And is gonna attack Buffy with them. So, which, like, why didn't the vampires do this before? Buffy's a human girl. Just bring a gun to the cemetery and shoot. Like, hire a sniper. Like, bang, Slayer <laughs> no, problem solved. I want to fight her. <laughs> right. Well, and it's the same problem as the whole like 
3,000 candles in the master's lair, right? <laughs> they just don't yeah. think about modern technology. Except Darla, who is a genius. This is a genius plan. Darla was just like, I don't want to get close to her. She's already beat my ass. So I'm going to shoot her to death. Yes. <laughs> but it's genius. Uh, but first she shoots Angel in the chest. <laughs> and we learn that like, you know, guns can't kill vampires, but they hurt a lot. We're learning so much in this episode. This is the best episode so far, 100%. So so she tries to shoot Buffy um, outside the bronze. Willow and Xander and Giles are there, and they can hear the gunshots, so they start climbing up into the roof. Also, um, these are the fakest-sounding gunshots ever. Pew, 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 pew! <laughs> and how many bullets are in those guns? Because she fires so many times, and I never see her reloading the guns. You know what? It, let's just let's let's scale it back from thinking about how the guns work and think about that a vampire is firing the guns. True, true, <laughs> and true. that'll put it into more perspective for you. So, Darla is um, advancing on Buffy, and we see someone grab the arrow from the crossbow that she shot into the wall earlier in the episode. On the pool table, Darla is shooting at Buffy, who is now hiding behind the bronze bar. The candy bar, because they don't serve alcohol there. And up on the balcony, Willow and Giles are trying to distract Darla from shooting Buffy to death by, like, you know, flicking lights. There's, like, electricity, something going on. But that's when Angel comes up behind Darla, and he uses the crossbow arrow to stake her in the heart and saves them all. There's just enough time before she go turns to dust for her to turn around and say, Angel. Angel, <laughs> like so sad, Angel, and then turns to dust because we all know that the important vampires get a little more of a death scene. Right? Well, and yeah, like this is full circle, right? She made him and then he ended her. And it's this is his, huge. Yeah, it's his affirmation. He's on Buffy's side. Yeah, this is a huge, that was a huge step and it was, uh, a really big way to say I did this for you. This is like more or less my ex-girlfriend trying yeah. to get me back and I chose you, you know? Can you imagine if everybody <laughs> had to kill their ex to show how serious they were with their new partner? Yeah, I mean, don't we all do that? <laughs> is that not a normal thing to do? Um, and you can look at his face and Angel's obviously, he's he's torn by this. I don't, like, do I think that he loved darla no but when you spend that much time plus the fact that she's his sire there's feelings there there's sure. there's stuff to unpack there there's trauma mm -hmm. there's therapy that needs to be had yeah so, he's not going to therapy <laughs> <laughs> no but uh he should <laughs> so angel basically just kind of walks away into into the shadows and uh in the master's lair he is raging he's breaking shit he's throwing stuff he's pissed and are you okay bro one... like you seem a little bit upset <laughs> are you okay <laughs> something happened um the anointed one i.e colin says to forget her she was weak and the master basically said she was his favorite for 400 years and to lose her to angel who was supposed to be his right-hand man, like, oh, like, my best people, my VPs, you know, like, they're gone. We're seeing the Master getting progressively more and more frustrated here, and I'm starting to wonder, like, is he going to make a mistake now, right? Like, is he going to overstep or something? Because he's so incredibly enraged by these meddling kids and Xander, their dog. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. 
Um, well, I mean, it's a good thing that Colin gives a really good pep talk. You know, he's just like, you know, we'll we'll get her. Don't you worry. Like, we got this. It's he's got a, like a creepy voice modulator thing going on too. Yeah, and is it just weird? Does he look older than how he looked the first time we saw him? Like, just barely. I, I don't know. Kid, kids grow up really fast when they hit puberty, right? So. <laughs> um, so we cut back to the bronze. Uh, it's after the fumigation and the horrible shootout that happened on the weekend. And um, Willow and Buffy and Xander are all talking about Angel. And Willow points out that Angel is there. <gasps> He's there. Because Buffy had said just then that she hadn't seen him or heard from him. Buffy goes to talk to him. Uh, Xander claims that he's not threatened and he's not going to watch. But Willow watches very intently, I think, as we all would. <laughs> Buffy and Angel approach each other. And I just want to point out again that there's so much chemistry between these two. These actors really pull the shit off. Angel's checking in. He's like, how are you? Is your mom okay? And um, they both kind of agree, just like out of the blue. They're like, you know what? This can't be a thing. This We can't do this. And it's because she, Buffy's like, for one, you're, 20, you're 224 years older than I am. Angel says he has to walk away from this. And she says the same. But they make out anyway, you know? A little goodbye kiss. I, I believe, I believe that they're actually in love with each other. And... I have butterflies. <laughs> they give me chills. Okay. So they make out. It's perfect. Willow's watching them make out. And you can tell once again that she stands Buffy and Angel. She's a shipper. She wants them to be together. The two pull away. Angel has this really intense look on his face. And Buffy says, it's painful. See you around. Then walks away. And we see that the silver cross that she was wearing that he gave her in the first episode has burned into his skin just on his chest as they kissed and leaves a burn there. Ooh, the end. <laughs> sigh, sigh, sigh. So I don't think, I don't know if you could tell that I love this episode. Uh, I love it. It didn't backstory. really come across. Do you want to like try recording again? Yeah, maybe we should start over because I don't think I was very clear about how much I love Angel, but uh, you know what? Let's start off with this. Who's your hero? I think it's obvious who your hero is going to be, and I'm going to agree <laughs> with you this time. It's got to be Angel. Duh. It's Angel. It's Angel. It has yeah. to be Angel. Like, everything about this episode. Okay, so the only questionable thing is the fact he didn't tell Buffy earlier, right? Like, imagine if he'd come to her earlier and been like, I'm a vampire, but by the way, I have a soul, right? Like, that would have short-circuited a lot of the pain in this episode. Of course, we couldn't have that, because then you don't have conflict. That aside... Angel did pretty much all the right things in this episode and you know he did his best to keep Buffy out of harm's way right like he knew Darla was around and was going to be like coming and stuff and you know he's everything he did he was trying to do right by Buffy um I'm in love with him <laughs> <laughs> but no you're you're uh right and this is why he has to be the hero of this episode is because i think that he just did the most heroic thing that we've seen yet in this series he killed the vampire that made him one mm -hmm. that he had significant history with mm -hmm. and he did it because he loves our hero buffy and he wanted to protect her Mm -hmm. That's a huge move. He's making moves for his for this girl. 
And he did this all. Let's not forget. He did the he did it all knowing that they can't be together. I think that's so epic. I think that's beautiful. I mean, the whole it's the whole star-crossed lovers thing, right? Yeah, they are star-crossed lovers. I love that you brought that up. They're star-crossed lovers for sure. They're eternal. I believe in their love and I don't know if we're going to get into it this episode. I hope not cuz you know, it's already been a long episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm we sure will we have, will. We will have plenty more opportunities to dissect Buffy and Angel's relationship and various ways to interpret the relationship right like yeah i was like don't take this away from me today no this we will enjoy this and i agree with you stephanie i'm not sure if i'm willing to say that this is the best episode of season one i i'll reserve my judgment until the end but yes yeah this is such a good episode and notably this is an example of an episode that is very exposition heavy but it handles it very well we learn so much about vampire lore angel's backstory um and all sorts of other stuff there's not a ton of action in this episode except at the very end there's a lot of talking a lot of research but for some reason it just keeps going at this nice pace it's also interesting as fuck like it's so cool to learn about yeah like this episode is a turning point for the series because it's like now we're really establishing this world so in addition to, you know, all the, the Buffy and Angel shipping that's happening here, it's like, it's just a really well done episode. And it suddenly the Buffy universe feels so much deeper. Now that we've established this epic romance, and it is an epic romance, the idea of a slayer and a vampire falling in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bringing out that YA fantasy fiction idea that, that, you know, this is a very much a supernatural show falls right into that that fantasy element so many relationships on other tv shows that came after modeled themselves off of this one either purposefully or unintentionally right oh yeah Um, this is a game changer this this relationship is a game changer for sure so you said you had some opinions from people yes okay so i have joined (laughs) my friend has been in it for a very long time but and is always telling me about it but I joined it myself now. It's called Slayer Renos on Facebook. And it's just a bunch of Buffy fans who also like to listen to My Favorite Murder podcast. And they are superstars when it comes to knowing Buffy, shipping Buffy, being fans of Buffy for years and years and years. So I posed the question, anybody who watched this episode for the first time ever, was it a surprise that Angel was a vampire? Like, did it actually surprise anybody? And a lot of people replied to my comment, and I wanted to point out two comments that I really liked. The first is from Lauren. She remembers watching it and being very unsure, and she thought he actually might be an angel, like an actual angel. Okay. And this is because he was good, and she was surprised when they revealed that he was a vampire. And I thought this was so interesting because it's like, what if he was an angel? Is that actually a good plot line? I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad they didn't go down that area because the whole forbidden love of a vampire and a slayer is, is mean, a lot more interesting. That's very charmed. Yeah, I was going to say charmed went down that route much later and it's just not as sexy, you know? But <laughs> um, me and you had said before that angels acting in the first episode is a little bit off because he didn't know what to do with the character. And we thought it was because Joss Whedon told him he's a vampire and he's like, well, I don't know how to do this. 
I read that they didn't know what he was going to be, and they did think for a second maybe he is an angel. So when oh. they did the first two episodes, they didn't. They knew he was going to be important. They knew he was going to be a love interest, but they didn't actually decide on what he was going to be until they were filming already. That I feel like that's worse for the actor because then Even you're worse, just like, yeah. how do you play this? I don't you know who I am. You could be anybody. <laughs> You're just going to wear a very deep V'd shirt and be aloof. And that's all you need to be. Uh, so that's, I mean, that gets David Boreanaz off the hook for being so weird <laughs> the first couple episodes. But um, I do like the idea that Lauren thought that it was going to be an angel. Because I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't you think that? He's a good guy. He's like there to help, right? Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. And then another comment from Caitlin. She said, I I watched for the first time a few years ago in college. I was pretty positive that he was a vampire within three episodes. He kept foreshadowing by saying things like, I'll be damned and I don't bite (laughs) and things like that. And he would only show up when it was dark. So to Caitlin, it was pretty obvious what was going on. Okay, good detective work. I know that's what I said. And I was like, wow, I would not have made those connections. <laughs> like you Sherlock Holmes, you, you know what I mean? So I just loved hearing how other people took in that information because I honestly mm-hmm. coming into the show, having watched Angel before Buffy, the, the surprise was so far gone for me. It wouldn't have been a thing because I, I watched Angel before I watched Buffy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for, for responding to my question. This is a, such a good episode. This is so good. I agree. Thanks for chatting about it with me, Steph. And oh, uh, any any you know, day, keeping any your time. angel enthusiasm contained enough. Did I let it explode too much, or was it like did I hold you it? Were, in? You were the paragon of restraint. I appreciate it. Do you know how unrestrained I was yesterday, though? Because after I watched it, I went on YouTube and watched Buffy and Angel fan videos, which. By the way, if anyone has a good one, the send it my way. The cheesy music set to them? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> will watch those. those all day, any day. Yeah. Not just Angel and Buffy. I'll watch any couple, TV couple that I ship. But <laughs> as, a, as an original Bangel fan, I love <laughs> montages of them. So I watched those all night up until midnight. And Sebastian was like, are you going to go to bed? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, one more, one more. One more three-minute song. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. So, listeners, you heard it here. Uh, send us your thoughts on this episode. And also send Stephanie in particular your yeah. Buffy Angel supercuts, please. Yeah, your supercuts and your fan fiction and your um, photoshops. Thank you very much. The smuttier, the better. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you've got some comments... Message us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.